0: Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight analysis and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast.
1: Welcome into episode 9. I'm Adam Epstein here with Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. VCU got two big victories in the Atlantic 10 and have a massive matchup on the road Friday night. Friday night hoops at the UD Arena in Dayton, Ohio, as 4 0 Dayton Flyers and former VCU coach Anthony Grant take on Mike Rhodes and the current. VCU Rams so let's start with Connor Bailey recapping the last two wins there was that good wins or did we just beat two bad teams
2: so for starters uh it was the best consecutive 80 minutes of basketball I think VCU's played this year uh the only other stretch will rival that is Northern Illinois and Navy and honestly I just I'll take a conference wins one of which is on the road over over uh two out of conference wins at home. So the best consecutive 80 minutes of basketball. Now, for what it's worth, you were down 10-0 to Davidson. Uh we were down I think it was 18 to 9 to Loyola at one point. It was
1: 5-5, they went on an 8-0 run to make it 13-5 Yeah. it was 18 to 9. Yeah, it, 18-9 yeah it, it it was
2: it was 18 to 9 and then obviously went on a big run, but uh so great uh the best 80 minutes of consecutive or of best Stretch of consecutive forty minute basketball from VCU. At the same time, this is not Davidson. This is probably going to be, good down as the weakest Davidson team since they've joined the A10. And this Loyola team, I mean, there's no way to get around. it. There's not good. So I love what I've seen. Also, you have to compartmentalize it, and you know, we didn't just we didn't just win a title in these last two games. But I, I've loved what I've seen. A from the offense, just taking the ball to the rack, popping threes, uh, popping threes against Davidson. But Loyola, I, I love that we took the ball to the rack, especially about halfway through the first half and throughout the second half.
3: Yeah, those are two good wins, in my opinion. Uh, f- for the for the simple, uh, you saw our defense shine, and we really pressured people, turned them over, we forced the tempo on them, like we were discussing last podcast, and uh, and then the shooting too. Our three point shooting was ridiculous against Davidson. Fifteen threes, most made in a game since twenty thirteen, which that's a stat I love to hear. Um, after we've been a little cold from three and then uh more of the same against uh Loyola Chicago. I felt like we just executed um and took what they were giving us on offense, especially down in the post.
4: I'll take a road W cuz they're hard to come by. And weren't the first two days of A10 play. It was like all the teams were 0 and 7 on the road. All the There um, was
2: there was a stat our friends at the 3bid league pod that put out the only like in the, in the first 3 games of the season, the only road win against a team that definitely shouldn't be in the top the bottom four was Dayton's win on New Year's Eve at Davidson everyone else went at like LaSalle and St. Joe's so again Loyola's not great first road win of the year <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah and the biggest thing for me from my takeaway from that game was the defense causing uh forcing 22 turnovers from Loyola Chicago it felt like the whole game you know they were throwing it into the stands every five minutes because you know they're, they're a sloppy team this year, so they've had a lot of turnovers against a lot of teams. But it's the VCU pressure, the havoc, the change in the starting lineup with Nick Curran that helped defensively. And we just turned the ball over. We forced the turnovers.
3: Yeah, it 20 turnovers for Davidson, 22 for Loyola, um, and 26 points off turnovers against Davidson, 31 against Loyola. I mean, that's ridiculous, averaging 28 and a half points turnovers is that
1: just luck or are we starting games? to get the live ball
3: steals well i think uh this is kind of a nice segue into maybe what we're going to discuss next but i think it's lineup related and i think we're really cracking down on defense and uh but yeah i i love to see it because that's what vcu basketball is predicated
2: off of some something i want to say you mentioned the 20 turnovers against davidson and 22 against loyola not great teams this year these teams were 10 seeds in the tournament last year davidson beat an at-large loyola won the missouri valley conference tournament but would have been an at large anyway. These are NCAA tournament teams last year. And,
3: and to add on top of that, Braden Norris, he started for that team last mm. year. Foster Lawyer, he started for that team last year. I mean, those are both very seasoned. Oh, yeah. point guards that take care of the ball. Foster Lawyer had, Lawyer had nine turnovers. He looked against us. he looked
2: frustrated on uh, last yeah. Saturday. He looked like he just he he he, he looked like he halfway through tired. the second half he wanted to go home. Yeah. So.
3: I mean, I, and I think we're just kind of overwhelming people and uh, with, with our athleticism and length and. And hopefully we can continue that trend.
1: So let's get right into it. So because of the slow starts, Coach Rhodes decided to make a slight tweak to the starting lineup. Really, a small change, which is just Nick Kern in for Jameer Watkins. I thought it was interesting that Coach Rhodes told us in the press conference, or excuse me, in post game show after the Loyal Chicago win, the first thing he did after they went into the locker room was tell everybody, like everybody on the roster, all the assistant coaches talking to Jameer Watkins, saying that's how you respond to adversity. Your first game off the bench, boom, 10 points. I think he had six rebounds, too. He played very well.
3: Yeah, Uh, and I thought that, yeah, coming off the bench, he attacked the basket really well. I think he drew the most fouls on the team. Yeah, he did. Um, I feel like he got all his points from the free throw line, but he was aggressive in taking the ball to the hole. I don't even know if he attempted a three, but I I really like what I saw from him. I feel like he was more engaged on the defensive end So I think that whatever message Rhodes was trying to send, he got it. But I also think that maybe, like we were texting during the game, maybe it's a Melvin Johnson situation where you have arguably your most talented offensive player coming off the bench in a role that he's, quite frankly, more comfortable
1: in. Yeah, Brandon Rozell, same situation. Yeah, exactly.
2: You mentioned uh, – we mentioned Kern being the starting lineup. And uh, something I, I think I texted – is either this group chat or a friend on Saturday against Davidson. Uh, if you remember, Coach Rhodes called a timeout. Uh, it was 16-30 to go maybe in the fr- after we got 10 Davidson. It was before the four-minute media timeout, probably 17-16-30. And he put Kern in, and Kern made a couple of plays right away. a steal. Yeah. So Kern brought energy in 24 minutes against Davidson. So I like that he kind of rewarded him. Not that he was demoting Jameer. And I'll be honest, I didn't really understand your text on Tuesday when you mentioned Melvin. And now, 100% understand what you meant. But hey, come off the bench. Look, maybe you come in at the 16-minute four, four, uh, mark, 15-minute mark, and something we were talking about throughout the game on on Tuesday against Loyola is Jameer. At, at times, you know, he shoots. He can hit the three ball, but he's he is such a mismatch against certain teams like Loyola, who is kind of thin, in my opinion. Other than Austin, kind of thin, and Jameer was taking the ball to the rack, getting to the foul line, so.
4: And Kern's great off the ball offensively. He's great at cutting, great Hard. at the baseline little um, drives, and then they find him and he gets dunked, so he helps that way as well.
1: I think it was a defensive change. Like the slow starts are because of the offense, like 10 nothing, you got to score the ball right in the first five minutes of the game against Davidson, but it was a defensive change. It was Coach Rhodes saying, hey – we're gonna force more turnovers. We're gonna get some steals. Get in transition. I don't think Nick Kern made that big of a spark in the first half against Loyola, but that second half he was part of the turnaround where VCU went up from up by three to up by eighteen all of a sudden.
3: That sequence he had where he had he uh, someone got beat and he came behind him and, and blocked him. I think it was Welch, their big guy, and then uh, none got the rebound and we had a run out, uh, dish it to Kern on the wing and he just flew in for a dunk. I mean that 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 right there was the play that really changed the entire game, and that's the type of plays that Kern is capable of making for you.
2: It uh the, the last two games from Kern reminds me of Curry in a ten play last year where Keyshawn Curry was always an athletic player throughout his career. Uh, and junior senior he got a lot more playing time, but it wasn't until a ten play as a senior when Curry just blew up. And it was he, he he's a guy who has long strides. He he, he goes from one foul to other and So. Qu- quicker with anyone in the A10 last year, Kern Kern is showing he can do that, and that's just such an asset. Kind of like what Chris mentioned earlier. But, uh, he camps out on the baselines. So he's you know a backdoor cut here or there. He's ready for a dunk at all times.
4: And also, new topic, but Shriver's been nine of eleven from three the last two games. So that's huge. That makes the offense like way more efficient and productive.
1: Yeah, I I think we can go around the room real quick and kind of argue about why David Shriver's three-point shots are starting to fall. You know, I've had some people tell me, well, look at his career. He's 40% for his career. It's eventually going to happen. Personally, I really think it's the training that he's putting in, in practice, and and really working with VCU's athletic squad here to make sure that he's in the best shape of his life. And look, I really feel like every time I see him, he's getting a little stronger with his physique, and I think that's why he's jumping a little higher, he's holding his follow-through a little stronger and it's starting to fall
3: yeah I think uh Shriver in in my opinion I think it's kind of regression to the norm for him I mean I think he had a bad run of just and the shots that he was missing for the most part weren't that bad it's back iron and that's pretty much where you're aiming so I think it's just torn to a groove he's he's found the distance that he needs on his shot and uh yeah man I really really hope he can keep it going because that adds a lot to our team
2: early on in um the non-con he had a couple good games he had a good game against morgan state uh and, and against pittsburgh up in up in barkley center he had a couple threes but it felt like there was a stretch around thanksgiving and into december he uh, i feel like he had a hitch in his three-point shot like not a bad one but you know sometimes a, a pitcher in baseball or a golfer it may not be visible to the to the you know to uh to television or whatnot it just it felt like his shot wasn't as, as smooth adam you mentioned it like I don't know if it's the flick of the wrist. It looks smoother coming out right now, and that's why it's going down in my opinion.
1: I feel like he's jumping a little higher, but I, I could be alone in that. He,
2: he got up on that, the and won three at Loyola. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I feel like I was watching the replay of the 2019 Final Four when Kyle Guy shot a three in former VCRM Samir Dowdy because we watched the replay so many times. It felt like that because it was one of those things where Shriver shoots it. Hangs, gets the contact, and he's still swished it too so
3: he, he shoots with such a wide base i love how like why how far, oh it's awesome how far apart his feet are when he, he when he lets it go um but yeah his, his shot i mean it's pretty and he's got a quick release and yeah hopefully. you're
1: listening to the black and gold fan podcast with caleb jones connor bailey chris mason and myself adam epstein you can hear me awad radio 12 to 3 monday through friday right here on 910 the fan this podcast is an affiliate of odyssey richmond and so In just a week, VCU has gone from like middle of the pack to number two in the A10 with a massive matchup against number one Dayton. And I think part of the reason VCU has stepped up in conference play here is the play of Brandon Johns Jr. And Mike Letos had a great article, which you can read right now on VCU Athletics, saying, New player, old soul. It didn't take Brandon Johns Jr. long to be part of the family, the VCU Ram Ramily. Uh, Coach Rhodes said in an interview, quote, He wasn't here two weeks and jumped right into it. Uh, The dude is acting like he's been here three years, and he hit it off with everybody, players, managers, the chef, the coaching staff. He's walking around, and everybody knows his name. He called Brandon Johns an old soul Also in the article, they talked about how he plays the piano, Um, and then uh, I love this quote here from Brent Scott, who's a VCU assistant. He said, Brandon's a unique kid, a throwback. He can talk to anybody. He's got such a great personality. It's neat to be around him because there are not a lot of kids like him in this day and age, and I noticed the way he smiles at every press conference, you know, he had a funny moment after the last home game where he walked out of the room, and before Coach Rhodes uh, started his statement of the press conference, he just said, "Hi, Mike Rhodes," and he waved at him and smiled, and it was just like, "What are you like talking to your dad?" You know, it was so <laughs> funny.
3: Yeah, he, he's a he's a really, I think, mature and just solid individual. From you could tell from all the stuff you just read there from Letos. but he is essential to this team and I think and I hope that a lot of these guys just see how he acts and can kind of you know uh, take that and apply that to their own lives because I think he's not only on the court is he helping us but he's helping the guys off too
2: Lita is first of all excellent writer uh pretty much everything everything he writes is I love reading it's some of the best Vcu conduct some of the best college basketball content you can find but uh Brendan Johns jr uh, first of all we have not it, vcu as a whole among other coaches, have, are typically very good recruiters. We have not hit the transfer market that well in the last five to ten years. Uh, I'd, I'd say from a grad transfer point of view, we nailed one in Johns Jr. He, he does a lot a lot of what we needed, especially having a departure from a big man, Hassan Ward, going to Iowa State. But he's a, a guy – I feel like we haven't had someone – I mean, I don't want to compare him to Jamie scheme. but someone who can kind of go out, hit the three ball, can dribble a little, a little bit, but can also just back down a defender. And I mean, he, he's – for someone who I don't – he doesn't strike me as – amazingly fast he's got quick moves down low
1: here's what i'll say is i think we're noticing his maturity on the court he ha- he'll he have some turnovers but they're never going to be a boneheaded mistake it's him dribbling off of his knee trying to get to his spot so he can help his team right and yes. so i think i noticed that in the half court offense he knows where he needs to be
3: i feel like the majority of the turnovers have been unfortunate where he gets the ball in the post tries to spin back the other way and someone rips him from the blind side which some of that's on your teammates too. You got to communicate and yell if someone's coming on your backside. But um, yeah, I, I think that he, he has obviously helped us a ton on the court as well. Um, but yeah, I yeah, you guys got anything?
4: Yeah, Rhodes just you can tell he loves him from all the press conferences. He's always saying like he does whatever we ask of him, like a coach's dream. So that's what you want from senior senior leadership.
2: And a big guy that can hit the, hit the free throws very well. I mean, he's, last I saw him, 77, 78%. I mean, high 70s. Excellent free throw shooter for a big guy. Oh,
3: yeah, one other thing I wanted to point out is I feel like we kind of have a Stockard uh, a, a that's better.
4: Than,
3: you know, like Stockard <laughs> did, did a lot of these things. He actually kind of had a nice little 15-foot jumper, yeah, too. Yeah, and a hook shot, too. Yeah. And he comes but, to every game still. Yeah, I love right. seeing him, but there. He, uh You know, he's got the post moves. I think he's a little more fleet of foot and plays better defense and just kind of Definitely. gives you a better all-around game.
1: Here's, I think, the most important thing about Brandon Johns Jr. is, I'm going to say it again, the guy is experienced, and when it comes to adversity, and you partner him down low with a guy like Jalen Deloach, he's one of the most emotional players I've ever seen play. I think it's so important to have Johns Jr. with five-plus years of experience next to a sophomore like Deloach, who has so much talent, so much potential, but a guy that can, you know... Foul trouble gets him, you know, messed up, emotion, getting in trouble with the refs. You know, Jalen Deloach is always in his own head, so having Johns Jr. next to him is vital. Yeah, we, we've
3: talked about this, and, and Deloach drives me crazy with some of the technicals he's picked up. And part of me, I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like he needs to mature a little bit, and I think that Brandon Johns Jr., like you're saying, paired with him, is the perfect matchup uh, to kind of, you know, lend him some help and, and some guidance.
1: You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. The last home game was Davidson coming to the stew. Now it's time to hand it off to the professor, Chris
0: Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. (laughs)
4: So I took Connor's advice from last pod where he suggested getting mimosas before the noon game, and it was great. Went to <laughs> G- Gus's on Broad Street, which is very- Oh, dude,
1: I haven't been there. It's near my crib.
4: Yeah, it's pretty usually pretty empty. Connor is a good description of <laughs> it. Like it's, I not know. I mean, it's um I was like I was kind of hating
2: on it right in front of the bartender. <laughs> it was mainly it was mainly when I texted you when you said Caleb when uh, Caleb said he was at home team and I was like we're at Gus's LMAO. And uh, I was like just kind of dogging the dog
4: in the place in front of the bartender. But,
1: but last uh, podcast we were talking about like we need more sports yeah. bars on Broad Street. It, so you guys good for you for going out and finding one. We're <laughs> starting the
4: trend. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, not too far from the stadium, got some mimosas, went in, and um, no special event like New Year's Eve for LaSalle, but um, the end zones were, and corners were pretty empty, but the like sidelines behind the um, benches and the other side were pretty packed, and it got pretty loud. Um, I'd say that's like a C+, I'd say. Nothing spectacular, but that's compared to more life-altering than Europe standards. Like an average... Um, college basketball crowd like would love to have that many people. So again, this is all um, a harsh professor here
2: for a Saturday before the students come back. I thought it was pretty solid. You could argue a B. Um, fortunately, it wasn't like the there was no nervous energy other than the first like four minutes. After that, you know, after Shriver
1: started just draining threes from from the logo, it was fine. So it was solid. Yeah, time. I'll bump
4: that up to B minus. I forgot about the students. So. I'm
1: a little upset that you didn't mention something in your crowd review here because your crowd review takes everything. Into every single thing that's involved in the stadium. And there was a lot of chatter on social media about how hot the Gold Rush dancers looked when they changed outfits at halftime. Did you see that?
4: No, I I missed that. Oh
1: my God, Caleb! Come on now. I didn't notice. Oh, come on now!
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Connor. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, similar to Caleb, we're we're pretty focused on Ken Palm and the basketball game. <laughs> I've been playing. I, d- I don't have time for the Gold Rush dancers, even though they are excellent. I'll be honest. I didn't I didn't catch that.
3: Yeah, I'm really lo- trying to look at the box score. It won't load at
2: all. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. man.
1: So uh, I real quick they they have a budget that is impressive because they change outfits all the time. They had like three outfit changes, but I just saw some stuff on uh, <laughs> on Ram Nation twitter basically of uh, people obsessed with the outfit change that they had last game at halftime yeah <laughs> they did nice. a great job i'll
2: have to go back and watch some uh, some, some tape on that but it was <laughs> you know i'm over ken pom guy at the game
1: yeah so.
3: nice uh well we might cut this but this is something that i wanted to bring up that drives me absolutely nuts about the experience at the Siegel center and i know that there might be some limitations but it's the lack of replays on controversial plays <laughs> that drives me off the wall is if there's any way to get the crowd more on top of the refs give you a competitive advantage boo, boo the hell out of them it's to do that in a, in a pivotal plot and i just feel like i'd throw something up there any sort of replay we got
2: you know just give us the advantage that we can get i'm with you i it's, it's preposterous and i i hope our athletic department You know, does something about this because yeah, we we need out there listening to this and like, right, yeah, we're going
3: to. We need replays. We need replays. Yeah, they're going
1: to listen to this and say, let's replace that AWOD character. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need a pregame and halftime. We need replays. All right. Speaking of uh, VCU basketball, let's (laughs) (laughs) let's transition to Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster.
0: What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster.
3: Updating the three important stats that we like to monitor with each game, Uh, the first being having 12 turnovers or less a game, we had 14 against Davidson and 12 against Loyola Chicago. We protected the ball pretty well against them, and uh, no complaints there. Ace had eight to three assist to turnover ratios in both games, which, again, is pretty solid. Uh, The second stat that we like to monitor is our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency. Which is sitting at 49, and it's kind of been hovering in the 45 to 50 range for the last month, it seems, which again, pretty good. But what I did like to see is our offensive rating took a massive jump up to uh, 187. Still not great. That puts you about uh, halfway, you know, uh, mid, mid, middle of the pack in the entire country. But I think it jumped up around 50 spots,
2: maybe more. It was like two. It was 240. I'd say yeah. December 10th, just ballparking a day.
3: Yeah. yeah. So a month, and you've increased, you know, yeah, uh, 60 or whatever. So, anyways. So um, I
1: love how you track Ace Baldwin's turnover to assist ratio, but I do think you need to include the steals that he gets because that kind of negates, negates the, turnovers, the turnovers, right? Yeah. And, and he had two steals in both the last two games.
3: Yeah, and I think he's averaging two and a half a game. So, uh, he I, mean, is, I think
1: that's the same thing with Jaden Nunn. Like, he, he had is, two turnovers, but he also had two steals. Actually,
3: and Nunn leads the team in, in steals. He's averaging like a little over two and a half. Wow. In and he's right. not even
1: playing nearly the same amount of minutes that Ace yeah. Baldwin's playing. I mean,
3: how many times do people try and cross over in the backcourt bringing it up against Nunn and they get picked and he just goes in for, for a layup? It
1: was also bad, though, at the end of that Davidson game when they were full court pressing.
3: Yeah. Uh, ball, ball um, Security was not great at the end of that game. I think they kind of got
2: a little lackadaisical. Um, you mentioned the four. I think it was fourteen turnovers against Davidson. I think five were in the final five minutes. Um, two right. by none. None lost. There was that one play where he kind of lost it, which yeah. happened. I think he got and,
1: slapped on the wrist, but you know you yeah. just got to be stronger at the basketball. But yeah. then,
2: heck, he he came out against Loyola, and man, that jump shot, that little baseline jumper was working. So I, th- I think he uh, I think he learned a thing or two. And, and,
3: uh, <laughs> and we had some turnovers at the end of the Loyola game too. So I think we're protecting the ball well right now, and. Um, Lastly, fouls per 40 on Deloach. He had five against Davidson and uh, three against Loyola Chicago. So he uh, he still needs to watch those fouls a little bit, especially, and we'll get to this, but against a team like Dayton where he's going to be crucial. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think here's the thing I've noticed with Jalen Deloach. He's in his own head with the foul trouble. Defensively, he had one block against Davidson. I think he had a couple, two against uh, Loyola. He could have had five or six. There's a few times where he's not attempting the block because he's afraid of a BS foul call and he knows he's going to go to the sideline and Coach Rhodes is going to scream at him and everyone's going to scream at him. And I get it. We need you on the court. But at the same time, dude, you have to understand when you have the ability, because of your size and your athletic ability, to get a clean block. Right. Go for it.
3: I, and I say this, too. like it, A lot of times, like you've done the work. You're standing there upright. Make them make a tough shot. If they make it, oh, well. Don't don't compound the, the problem by coming down on him and giving him an n one or whatever. I feel like Manenga got a few buckets like that. Second but half he hit and one in the second half. Yeah, he's just got to be smart. But um, yeah,
2: I, I tell you, Deloach against. At Loyola Chicago Tuesday, former UVA coach Pete Gillen on the on the on the color commentary for CBS Sports Network, and he's done a bunch of VCU games at home. But it was fun. Yeah, I mean, Pete Gillen's one of the nicest guys ever. But you know, the first half it was like give the big man, In the second half it's like you know he's got a lot of motion. He's got a lot of motion. Chris, can you say can you say Pete Gillen's famous line from the Coliseum real quick?
4: Real- yeah, can you set the scene real quick? It was like, so what year?
2: Michigan State UVA, two thousand one, when the Richmond Coliseum the the ice the ice bled from the Coliseum. Oh, they had yeah. they had to call the game in the second half. It's, and he was just like, it breaks you heart. It really breaks your heart. Really it, breaks <laughs> it, just, it, like, it just cracks me up, because that was like a famous thing he said on ESPN. But yeah, Petey, Petey was throwing some shade at Jalen, but uh, hey, Dolores still made plays, though.
3: Two, two other quick things I want to point out. We need to get better on the boards. We've gotten out-rebounded by two uh, vastly inferior athletic-wise opponents. Um, so a team like Dayton, we're going to have to hit the glass hard and box out. Got to box out.
1: Next box time out. out, Friday night against University mm-hmm. of Dayton. Probably the... Is it University of Dayton or is it Dayton? Fly- I don't know? definitely care. University of Dayton. U D. Okay. Yep. Uh, biggest game of the season, Connor. I'll start with you. What does VCU need to do to make this a game against a red hot Dayton Flyers team?
2: First thing I'll say is DeLo- If Deloach and Johns are in foul trouble, either either one of them. Uh, Deloach is the one you better chance of being in foul trouble. But say either one of them gets a, a second foul, at the you know twelve minute mark or something in the first half. I think we're in for a long night. Not that Dayton's uh, not that Dayton's you know a top ten team or anything, and they are. they're huge down low. They do have some guards still out. Uh, As far as I know, Colby Elvis and Malachi Smith are still out. right? They're
3: they're not playing. They're they're just sort of non-contact drills from what I heard.
2: So I I think we we need to hit shots, obviously, but the bottom line is if either one of our bigs are in foul trouble, we're probably going to be in for a long night.
4: Yep, that's because of Deron Holmes, he averages nineteen point eight, so basically twenty and eight a game. So that's a huge challenge. Yeah,
1: I know he had like thirty-two the other night. I think VCU wins this game with a, an unbelievable performance in the backcourt. Like if you get twenty from Ace Baldwin, fifteen from none.
3: Yeah, our guards are gonna have to have a huge game. We're gonna have to bring the same defensive intensity and, and turnover force turnovers like we have the against the past two opponents. But what I do like about this matchup is one, they have a freshman point guard, two He's like literally the only guard they have on the floor besides Kobe Brea, who comes off the bench who can shoot the lights out of the building. But uh, they don't have a lot of experience handling the ball, and they're really tall guys, it means they're dribbling the ball up high. So what you gotta do is you can't let them pass over you. You gotta keep them in front of you, and you gotta make them dribble the ball up the court. If you watched any of that Duquesne Dayton game, Jimmy Clark, former Ram, torched us, was just picking them off left and right. He had oh, a great really? game on defense. He, was, he led Duquesne in scoring, so we kind of have to take a page out of his book and apply it to our strategy.
2: You know who my X Factor is for the tomorrow night's game? Who? And it's a native of Toledo, Ohio. Zeb Jackson. I think he's a, I think he's an X factor tomorrow night. You mentioned guard play. Uh, you're playing a bigger team. If we can speed them up, have a guy like Ace or Nunn, but what if Zeb comes to the bench and he's just flying all over the place? I think I think we really, we really need guard play tomorrow
1: night. Expect to see my favorite lineup of Zeb Jackson, Ace Baldwin, and Jaden Nunn. The three guard lineup, three ball handlers, and then you mix that with John Jr. and Deloach down low. I think that's going to be very important. If that lineup can be productive, VCU's got a, a shot to stay in this thing. We just can't go on any droughts I,
3: I love that lineup and yes you're totally right about droughts but I love that lineup for the simple fact of ball handling it takes pressure off of ace and I feel like it gets us more up in shots because we just move the ball so much more efficiently oh, yeah. than I having haven't... I mean Kern and Watkins are great on the wing but sometimes the ball's a little sticky with them but especially Jameer because he likes to look at his, is he gonna shoot is he gonna drive I love how how quickly the ball moves and how efficiently it does with those three guard three guard lineup.
4: It's just a big spotlight for the program overall, just in, in general view. ESPN 2, 9 p.m., Friday night, and they've been selling out every game, 13,000-plus, so it'll be a tough atmosphere.
2: Uh, you mentioned the atmosphere. Uh, VCU, in, in the Mike Rhodes era, we've played at Dayton uh, five times. He has three wins there as a head coach, one of which was uh, during our first place finish 2018-2019, the famous game where he led by 22 at the end of the game, or 22 in the second half, they come back and take the lead. Evans has the run- the runner uh, two years ago, that was the game where Bones hit that 30, like 36 foot yeah. three at the end of the shot clock. And um, uh, the uh, point guard for that, then that year, uh, he uh, gave him a, da- a little dab up. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, uh, it was real. Jalen fun. Crutcher. Yeah, Crutcher. And then yeah. last year was the the first, I think it was the first weekday game in January. And both teams were coming off COVID breaks. And it was ugly. It was like 55, 54. It was a f- score in the 50s. And of course, ace hits, ace hits a three at the end. So we've won three times there. The X Factor for Dayton, I don't know if they'll home. You know he's a very good player, but Timani Kamara killed ca- us last ca- kicked year. Kicked our butt. Both, both games. He had a good game in Dayton in the low score game. He kicked our butt at the Richmond at the Seagull Center last year, and we lost by thirty. So
3: this is this is kind of the matchup that I want to watch the most because yeah, Kamara killed us, and I, it's Johns versus him because I think they match up really well to, against each other. They're very similar types of players. For me, uh, it's
1: their freshman point guard against Ace Man. Yeah. If Blinks. Ace can come out and dominate, yeah. I mean, look what he's, he's had the last few nights like nineteen and eight. No, we need him. This is a game where I'm going to say this right now. VCU wins. If you look at the box score and ace has double digits assists, Mm -hmm. if he gets 10 assists, most likely we win the game.
3: Yeah. I'll be very curious to see how those two, uh, stack up to each other. Because I mean, one's a six, eight, 180 pound point guard. Uh, I mean, he's got a really good feel for the game and what I've watched, but ace is just, you know, the savvy vet. And he, I think he's just chomping at the bit to play a guy like this. Um, but then, yeah, Nun and Blackney and Amzeel and and Kern or Watkins and Johns and Kamara and Holmes and Deloach and I think Deloach and Kamara are uh, Deloach and Holmes got into it last year at Dayton. So Not there's, surprised. There's a lot. Yeah,
2: I know, right? There's a lot of interesting matchups to watch, but they're big. The the end of the game, there was a little tussle at the very end for the block shot. That, but Mikel Brown's Joan now at UNC Greensboro, he like. I think he was really going to go at it with with Holmes, but uh, if I had to ask a Dayton fan tomorrow, I'd probably ask him, not in a you know smart aleck kind of way, just be like, "Who guards Ace? I think Blankney might guard Ace, at least to start with." Yeah. Now Bray comes off the bench. I just uh, Mongolian Mike—that's what the Dayton fans call him. Because I'll yeah. be honest, I cannot pronounce his last name. Yeah. He, like you said, he's six foot eight. He, maybe they throw him on Watkins. I, I just—I have a hard time seeing him guard Ace, but he can still dribble though. So
1: it's yeah. going to be a big one Friday night. Number one versus number two in the A-10, Dayton against VCU. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast with Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Adam Epstein. Myself, it's time for This Week in VCU History.
0: This Week in VCU Basketball History. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU Basketball History that took place during This Week in Time.
2: January thirteenth, 2015, uh, happened to be myself, Adam, and Chris's senior year of college at VCU. Uh, so exactly eight years to the date uh, from our matchup against Dayton on Friday night. We went to Kingston, Rhode Island for a matchup at Rhode Island. A uh, little backstory of VCU, that was our third year in the A-10. And quite frankly, the first two years in the A-10, especially when Coach Smart was coaching us, we were kind of the bad boys in the A-10. We came to the conference. We brought a lot of fans to Brooklyn on road trips. We won a lot of road games, won a lot of games. for were five seeds in the NCAA tournament two years in a row. So we were definitely probably the most hated team for those two years then you have a team like Rhode Island who was coming off back-to-back losing seasons uh it was that year was 2014-15 was Dan Hurley now UConn coach his third year and he, he had some good recruiting classes he had a real the year beforehand so that sophomore class but the year beforehand they were freshmen Jared Terrell EC Matthews uh Hassan Martin really good players and they started off in the out of conference 10 and 3 excuse me 11 and 3 but it was kind of like Duquesne this year where they were winning games but no big wins so it's are they good? Are they not? They started off a 10 play 3-0, and they hosted us, and it was the week the students come back. Uh, so it was a fun game. There was a buzz to the arena just watching it, really good broadcast on CBS Sports Network. We, uh, VCU trailed 35-28 at the half. Uh, with seven minutes ago, they still trailed 51-43, um, but tied it up on a Trevion Graham three-pointer uh, with 535 to go and make it 51-51. And if you remember, Trevion Graham – There was the injury in the first half. A lot of VCU fans think it was a purpose undercut by a Rhode Island player. Uh, I I still hold – there's a reason I don't like Rhode Island fans. I think they tried to hurt Trevion Graham that night, but that's my opinion, and that's everyone else's opinion on VCU's message board too. So I'm not the only one. Uh, But a couple back-and-forth plays. E.C. Matthews, a player who felt like he was at Rhode Island for like nine years, he had a three to take a three-point lead. Uh, And then there was a big play where Jared Terrell caught a fast-break dunk to give him a five-point lead with three-and-a-half to go. Next two possessions for VCU, Melvin three, Trevion three. And just like a couple of those players back in those days, it, they were always clutch. Uh, but down the stretch, uh, there was a big play leading by one. Briante missed an off-balance layup at the end of the shot clock and Mo. Alleycox was right there for a, a rebound and a dunk to give us a 61-58 lead. Weber hit all free throws on the stretch, four four for four, and we ended up winning 65-60. So kind of a non – I wouldn't call it a nondescript game, but a really fun road win. Uh, and that was before, before got missed the rest of the year. Reason why I was so memorable is I was at City Dogs in Richmond the City Dogs fan location that night and the crew of us seniors I don't I don't think Adam and Chris I don't you might have been there Chris I don't think Adam was there though.
1: I might have been working or something. Yeah. No, and it was a yeah. road game so I don't yeah. know where I was. But
2: uh it, we were rolling like 16 deep at City Dogs on the uh, the if you walk in all the way to the back near the, where the kitchen is we just put the tables together. And uh we're trailing the second half but we're making a comeback and there was a fan this really hipster looking Richmond dude who said he was from Rhode Island? He, he was definitely a heckler that night. And our our friend Murph googled uh, least endowed st- uh, states in America. Uh, if you if you catch my drift, and Rhode Island was like in the bottom five, Virginia was like in the top twenty, and he, and he yelled that out. Though he didn't use use that verbiage, he just yelled it at the dude. So there was a little little tiff and whatnot. But soon as the soon as the game ended, we started chanting Rhode Island small. Yeah, so we just start <laughs> chanting and chanting, and it's just a memory at City Dogs. We st- I, I I was texting our friend Gabrielle like a week and a half ago about it. You know, it's just it's a funny memory because some you know hipster Richmond dude was just he was a heckler that night. Uh, overall, probably uh, let's see if you can get into starting five though.
1: Well, what was the final score?
2: Oh, 65-60 BCU. Uh, we improved to four and zero, and I believe it was a twelve and three overall that year fun fact that was the second week of january that year we entered rpi was a kind of a funky system we entered the rpi or we entered january 2015 with the number four rpi in the nation isn't that wow. crazy
1: yeah, <laughs> dude i have so many fond memories from that entire season thank yeah. god so we this, won it all
3: this oh, yeah. is y'all senior year so i feel like i have to guess this one because y'all definitely know it
1: <laughs> i'm pretty damn confident yeah. i'll tell you so that briante <laughs> was
3: at one correct because uh, he went on the tears acl like in a few that, weeks that was like january 31st yeah. i believe
1: uh <clears> was it
3: I'm waffling between Jaquan or Melvin at two, and I think it's Jaquan.
1: I think Jaquan came off the bench. Yeah, i say Melvin for or. sure.
2: Melvin, he was a genius. Melvin started. Mel, 29 okay, minutes Melvin at know. two. Terry Larrier at three? Larrier, he started a lot of games there. He actually didn't get it. So oh, you,
1: okay. It, Larrier started. It had it. to have been Jordan.
2: Yeah, so yeah. remember Larrier and Jordan always switched? Yeah. Uh, Larrier played 24 minutes that night off the bench. Jordan started with 12 minutes.
1: Yeah, and then so
3: Trey at four, Trey at four and four Mo eight. at five. Yeah, Trey yeah. at uh, I mean, Tillman probably had a...
2: Tillman played 10 minutes. He didn't do much that night. Um, off the bench, Jaquan played 24, hit a three. Was four.
1: Jared Guest on that squad?
2: Yeah, he played four minutes and had a Who was the a, had a defensive leading scorer rebound. off the bench? Uh, it looks like it was Johnny Williams. Uh, oh, dude. S- no, excuse me. Terry Larry got something. Johnny Williams only played one minute that night. Okay. The leading scorer of the game was Trevion Graham, 26 points. Uh, Eight rebounds, four for eight from three, and Rhode Island tried to hurt him that night. I just (laughs) want to bring up
1: Williams, underrated VCU point guard, very, very very underrated
2: underrated. VCU point
1: guard. Man, so we had three. Great guards on that yeah. team with Briante, Jake Jaquan, and then Jonathan Williams. Loaded.
4: Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that what, That's
1: how you win the A10. Yeah, <laughs> this is literally that, how you. Was do that it. his freshman year? Plus Johnny. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: Johnny and Tillman were the same year with, with Larrier and Gilmore. Gilmore, yeah. Gilmore didn't get a scratch in this game.
3: So Jonathan Williams obviously is from Richmond, but he went up to some prep school in the Northeast. I think and he played
2: at Hurley's. Yeah, they won the
3: national championship, and everyone was like, "Eh, Jonathan Williams, whatever." Like, I was like, "This guy can play some basketball." Didn't he? I think Doesn't he have I, like a crazy shot. I think he I mean,
2: went to Hurley's dad's high school. Yeah, Saint,
3: Saint
1: Anthony's. Or yeah,
2: whatever. yeah. He was. I mean, yeah, he was a tough player. He, he should have played football, man. He could have been a great, great running back.
1: You, <laughs> you mentioned Trevion Graham being clutch in that game. He was just so good at the catch and shoot, right? Like he wasn't a kind of guy. that I, I didn't really see him hit many threes off the dribble, right? No. But catch and shoot. And here's the thing: I'll always notice his left foot was a little. For yeah. closer yeah. to Always. the basket than his right foot. Like every single time. It was like, if his footwork was like that, a little uh, askew, I knew it was going in. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it, It's funny. Those last two years we were in school, 13-14 uh, and 14-15, we were top uh, 100 in Ken Palm both years. Uh, I think 2013-14, we were like in the top 30. And I feel like half our offense was get the ball to Trevion and get the hell out of the way. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so right. Let him go downhill on the right side, and it's and one almost every yeah. time. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, now it's time for AWOD's energy
0: it's time for Wad's energy what about vcu hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week
1: all right so did you guys hear kirby smart's pre-game speech the other night I might have to plug a little bit of this into the podcast just so it makes sense. He's basically screaming, beat the F out of them. They don't got S on you. We're going to MF these mother effers. F, 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 And it was crazy. And I feel like that's why Georgia came out one by 58 points. It was epic. Ain't hey, nobody in this room should be nervous about s.
0: Sh-. Go out of here and f their ass up. Don't yeah. think about scoreboard. Okay. Don't think about s. Sh-. You think about knocking the sh- out. Did you hear what Box said on Monday? Let's sat in that fing meeting. I wanted to.
1: That's the kind of speech that I think Coach Rhodes needs tomorrow night. This is the biggest game of the season. The entire fan base was depressed about three weeks ago, thinking the season's over. You get one road victory at Dayton, all of a sudden... VCU is looking like a tournament team again. Now I get it. The A-10 might only get two teams this year, but this is the biggest game of the season. Come out and play, boys. That's what I got energy for. I am so pumped up. And like you guys said, it's a national broadcast game. It's 9 p.m. on Friday night. I don't need to go to the bar and try to make out with some (laughs) I'm going to be watching the VCU Rams.
2: Overall, you know, if we go there tomorrow night and play a good game and lose, it kind of is what it is. But if we want to make a statement in the conference, and, you know, it's Friday night, you know, our friend John rostin always talks about, uh, you know, standalone games. I don't think it'll be the only game tomorrow night. Pac-12 plays Friday night games, but if you want to make a statement of the A-10 that hey, we, VCU is not just a team like in that next tier team, teams two to six, which I think we are right now. If you want to make a statement and say hey, we can compete for a conference title, come out tomorrow night. I love UD Arena is always fun because the view is always a little elevated. And heck, we have success there. We had a we had a big win there in 2011, actually, if memory serves, against uh, mm-hmm. USC. It started That's a right. yeah. started a little string of wins there. But hey, hey, Coach Rhodes has three wins there already, so.
3: It's a great opportunity, and I hope we treat it as such, and I hope that we you know, go out there with the nothing-to-lose type mentality. We're aggressive, we're confident, and we're loose, like Rhodes always says. But in, in, in all seriousness, Dayton is expected to win. They're going to be favored. If we can go in there and steal a W like we did last year with Ace's shot, it totally changes the complexion and the outlook on this season. Um, we will be top dogs in the A-10 if we win this game. If we don't... Say that okay, again. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Like, we get to play them again. We have other opportunities. But if we do get this game, wow, things look different.
1: We will be number one in the A-10. That's
4: right. And it's a, our basically only good opportunity in conference. That's stretching it a little but Net is... 55 for dayton next closest is st louis 95 ken palm dayton's 45 next closest is st louis 82 so it's like there's not that many good opportunities for wins no i get
1: that but i I don't like getting lost in those numbers because like i like you said man there's a chance to be at top of the a10 those numbers don't matter if at the end of the regular season you're a10 regular season champs
3: yeah that's the most important i mean we've talked about this and it's kind of a Different discussion for a different day. The net's pretty worthless because they have zero quad one or quad two wins, but they're 45 in the net. So, I mean, they're just pummeling teams they should beat. But they are a good team. Do, do not make any mistakes about that.
2: You know, after we play Dayton Friday, we, we host UMass on Tuesday. And my understanding is VCU Athletics announced it's supposed to be a black like a blackout night there. All I got to say is a road win at Dayton coming home to a, a sequel Center that, you Ooh. know, students are back popping, you know, everyone's wearing black shirts. You come home with a loss, especially a loss, hey, you don't play well. I don't. How, how hype is the game going to be? And that's just something I want to throw out. So
1: so you've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Chris, where can people get in touch with us on social media?
4: Instagram, Twitter, Black and Gold Fan Pod. Also on Spotify, there's a new feature, auto-download. You can just subscribe, and then you don't have to remember every time you go to the podcast. It just automatically is already there. So that's a great option, too, so you don't forget.
1: Also, if you want to support the pod. Download uh, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well, iTunes, because with that, you can leave a five-star review and let us know your thoughts. You could also send us a DM of a voicemail. We love getting voicemails from fans, and this one comes from a long-time VCU uh, big-time fan. I remember when I was going to games, uh, Patrick K was right there in the students section with us every single game, so let's take a listen to his voicemail.
5: I think VCU is starting to figure it out, starting to shoot the ball pretty well. Shot 50% from the field the last two games. Shriver is starting to get comfortable out there shooting the three ball. He's 9 of 11 the last two games, including 6 of 8 against Davidson. VCU as a whole is shooting the ball well from three the last two games, over 50% in both games, 15 of 24 against Davidson, 4 of 8 against Loyola. Loyola also was our first road win of the season, which is huge. Got to be able to win on the road in the A-10 if we want to you know, go deep in the season and have a shot at the number one seed. Also interesting, Nick Kern got his first start. That dude is one of my favorite dudes. He, has a, he plays with a lot of energy, a lot of passion. He's a great slasher cut into the basket, not afraid of anything. He'll take some charges when he has to. Uh, big game against Dayton coming up here on Friday night. Got to get over those slow starts. Dayton is not one of those teams we can start slow against or they will just pick us apart. Deron Holmes is on, like, beast mode right now. Got to figure out a way to get over those slow starts if we want to have a shot at beating Dayton.
1: Thanks for the voicemail, Patrick. One of my biggest takeaways is he's right. I love Nick Curran, the person, right? I mean, he's always in a good mood, smiling, and he really does bring so much energy, and he's super athletic.
2: I love, you know, this past summer, Bradley Beal. I don't, did he play for Bradley Beal's AU team? He did, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, Bradley Beal being a St. Louis guy, Kern being a St. Louis guy. Uh, it was cool to see an NBA, not just an NBA player, an NBA all star, you know, a very good, very good NBA player in the last 10 years, kind of tweeting at him and stuff. But uh, Kern looks like, especially when he's playing well, he looks like he's having fun out there. So uh, that's, just, that's kind of my take on Kern.
3: Yeah. Go ahead, Chris.
4: Yeah, I was just going to say I love the point about slow starts because even though it got a little better, it's not solved. I'd love to be up like, what if we're up 21-7 or something early, like get a lead and feel comfortable. And-
3: I think, yeah, a fast start on the road in an environment like that is essential. We cannot dig ourselves a 10-point hole because in all likelihood, no. we ain't getting out of it. New. No. So that, yeah, I really like what he said there. And, uh, yeah, Kern's been a great spark plug. And uh, hopefully, he, he, you know, I think he's going to keep bringing that same energy and uh, the defensive end is good, and I hope he keeps cutting back door on the baseline and slamming some home.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for the voicemail. Made a great point about Shriver as well. If the three-point shot's starting to fall, that's going to be huge on Friday. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things VCU basketball. For Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Adam Epstein, we'll see you next week on The Fan.